welcome back to Grammarica Outlaw, guys. Coming at you this week with, I guess, William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates. Yep. Uh, we've been following each other on Twitter for a long time, even before I got banned. Um, kind of weird it took this long, but it was a great chat. Kind of all over the place, from 9-11 to blackmail, politics, of course, and a little bit of everything. I could talk to him again. Yeah. We could have went for another two hours. Yeah, we talked a bit about the Eccles case, too. Past guest, Damien Eccles. Yeah. yeah. It's not doing any more interviews, I don't think, right? No. This is a good um, one for that. It was a fun chat. Really, yeah. I'd like so we to, should mention, uh, for New Year's, or for this holiday season, I guess New Year's Day, right? We're doing a Fandango, aren't we? With uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Three? What? 8 p.m. Eastern. Oh, 8 p.m. Eastern. I thought you said 3 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern. So, so 5 p.m. on the West Coast. Saskatchewan time. <laughs> so 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Saskatchewan time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. All different times. On we'll Monday night. Take some calls. Yeah. It'll be like Zoom, though. So if you think you're going to want to call in, if that's something you want to do, make sure you got like Zoom installed and you know how to do it. I think there's a way to do phone numbers, but. Is there a way to listen live? Or are we doing it on our? Or are we streaming? Yeah, it on we'll our stream YouTube? it on our stuff. Yeah, there's, I don't think we'll get on a little early with them, but I don't see a problem in streaming from Zoom through Streamyard. I should be able to just share the screen, you know? Okay. Should be super easy. Yeah. Okay. I think and share the screen and the audio, and that should really just do it. So I'll be surprised if it's an issue. Yeah. You're gonna share the stream to Streamyard. Just share the yeah, I'll just share that whole window. I'll share that whole window. Oh, okay. And then or just the, it'll it'll probably window. like Zoom will probably come up as an option to share. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. As a window, kind of like Adobe right. does. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it'd be good if you guys want to bitch at us or the opposite. Yeah, or, you know, we'll say hi. It'll be like a, probably an ask me an ask us anything thing, right? Wouldn't it be here? Yeah, well, do also catching up with Grimstake and James because it's been years since we really sat down with those guys and chatted. So it'll be fun. Figure out what everyone's up to. They've got. Quite I mean, last time I talked to him, I didn't know James Cruz was a fake name. So <laughs> they've got quite their cult following over there. I mean, they have. They, every Tuesday they go live and they got a whole bunch of people listening live. It's it's like a little live show over there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be a good time. So if you guys want to check that out, tune into our YouTube. You know, any place we're doing video, you can just go to the web, uh, grimerica.ca and it'll get you every place. So any place we stream, we'll be streaming. Yeah. That is for the other show, but you guys will dig it. And also, I mean, let's talk about the Eclipse thing too. I mean, we do have, we're doing these contact at the cabin things, like a big event, and there's an, a full Eclipse, like Path of Totality. There's an event in Texas with the Brothers of the Serpent and Ben from Uncharted X and others where we're going to watch the eclipse. It's going to be great. And a bunch of music and hanging out and having a time along with it. So there's tickets. I think it's still, I think there's still um, in the first hundred tickets sold, there'd be like a few hundred people there. The first hundred tickets sold, I think there's a discount, right? Is that still a thing? I think the discount's passed now. Oh, is it? Or it's coming up like at the end of the year. Ooh. And maybe have like buy a ticket today or tomorrow. I can't remember. Let me talk to Laura. I, I can't remember. She had made a decision about that. And I said, okay. I'm sure it'll be on the website anyways. It'll be on there. It's not a huge discount. But anyway, get a ticket. We got, we, we, 
there's a bunch of people coming already, so you're going to want to jump in on that. Sure. What you got uh, for Mr. Ramsey? Well, he's a attorney, author, researcher, graduate of U of C, Berkeley, with a degree in history, also has a JD, and is a member of the State Bar of California. He's written Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, Abomination, Devil Worship, and the Deception in the West Memphis Three um, Murders, Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley, Shadow Over Humanity and Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents. William Ramsey has also made five documentaries, Occult Hollywood, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order, The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting and murdering young men in the U.S. and the U.K., and the slaughter continues as children, as well as children of the beast. Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, William Ramsey worked as a producer for the Ed Opperman Report for three years. He's a Christian and considers his books, films, and broadcasts together as a Christian ministry with the intent to expose evil in conformance with what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The works are to inform and edify, as well as to expose the darkness in the present time. There you go. There you have it, guys. Great bio, great chat. Enjoy the chat. The fabulous William Ramsey. All right, William Ramsey, thanks for joining us. This is going to be a great episode. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Yeah, yeah, this will be fantastic. Really um, interested in hearing, like, just, I mean, there's so many so many crossovers with some of the shows you've been on. Like, I heard you recently on, on the Higher Side Chats. Of course, Greg has this, you know, he's got guests pop out when I've already got guest scheduled and all of a sudden he comes <laughs> he releases an episode and I'm like, oh, damn. But then I'm like, oh, good, I get to listen to it prior, you know, good research. But I mean, there's so there's so many sort of interconnections here on your your guests and and your show and the guests that we've had on and and um, I'm really interested in hearing some of your your takes on on the occult and and maybe even the Memphis Three. We should probably touch on that because we had Echoes on on our other show a couple times and we gotten shit from Alex at Skeptico like, what are you guys doing? And you know, I think he probably had you on. I, now your name yeah. rings a bell that I think you've been were on Skeptico. And, and convinced him and he kind of excoriated us for that. So we'll get into that too at some point. Yeah. Guilt is guilt. But he, should have on with, uh, sorry. He, he won't go back. He won't go. He's, he's, I think he's kind of, he's basically said that he's sort of out of the whole thing. He's not going to really do talk. He's not going to talk about magic much anymore. He says, well, I don't want to talk about magic. I want to talk about whether or not he killed them kids. Uh, you know, <laughs> Well, he's guilty at law. I mean, it did go to appeal, so he hasn't overturned it. I would think that, like, if somebody had some kind of criminal record that was unjust, it would be spending 24-7 trying to get that clarified or overturned, but that hasn't happened. Right. Good point. So how did he How did he weasel his way out then? It's a really good question. It's a very unusual case, and it's a very strange case in a lot of ways. And it's probably... One of the only cases, and I've studied a lot of criminal law and procedure, that somebody's been found guilty twice because they were found guilty in 96. The, oh, it's 94, sorry. The crime happened in 93. And then they had to plead guilty to first-degree murder to get out in August of 2011. And so that was done with the best attorneys, too. Like, they 
had excellent attorneys. This guy reared him. He's an appellate attorney from the California. He's passed away now, but they really had the best attorneys. And so I think it was just a variety of mixes of uh, public pressure. There might've been stuff sub Rosa. I have no proof of that, but something kind of curious did happen and pressure on like there was changes in kind of the legal uh, community in Arkansas. So the old judge was changed, changed to a new judge. And then there was a new DA. So those instances may have had an impact on that uh, guilty plea and getting out after I think 17 years or something like that. Oh, so, so he got the thing changed or, or lessened in a way, but he still was guilty, but then he got that enabled him to get out. That was the agreement. You plead guilty, we'll let you out. I think that was, I can't remember, McMurtry, I forgot the guy's name, but that was the new DA. And he said in that, there's the public press conference where he says, I have no doubt that the people who committed the crime are the three guys right here. And they got up and said, I'm, I'm pleading guilty. And that's all recorded on video. They conveniently don't show that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, and that's still there. So that's still a guilty plea. And I, my understanding is he can't go to certain countries because of his criminal history. Huh. Like he can't leave the country. So there's open questions. I mean, it's guilty, guilty. I mean, the American... Uh, legal system right now is uh, kind of in bad, bad shape. I would well, say. Well, so is ours. So is yeah, ours. But, it's not, uh, just, not just America. Like you, yeah. like you said before, we were recording. It's it kind of in tandem with what's who, the people that are running the countries too. I mean, it's all corrupted. It seems. Uh, it's super. I've never seen the legal system so corrupt as it is now. Because you're they a lawyer. Literally, they literally just like threw uh, Trump off the ballot in in Colorado oh. with no criminal charges. Like he was never found guilty. They just declared that he was involved in an insurrection and it applied to uh, the Constitution and he's out. These are like the Supreme Court of Colorado kicked somebody off a ballot without a guilty plea. So he had absolutely no, no due process and it's basically based on their opinion of what but, he was involved in. But why can't it, why can't all the red states do it to Biden then? I don't understand why there's been even no I think they're supposedly moving on that. Yeah, we're not in a good place here in the states at all. There could literally be a civil war. In 2024, I do not. I'm not super positive. What do you think that would look like? A disaster, and it would be because rural it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be state would, by state, right? It wouldn't be like the last it would, one. It would be an urban. You know, it would be urban rural. So all the red is is rural, and the blue is all urban. And the blue re, really relies upon the red for basic land fulfillment, food, energy. So it would be just a disaster. I think that if you lived in a city and the Civil War broke out on the coasts, you would be in deep trouble. Uh, so that's what it would look like to me. And I mean, I think people would, I mean, what happens in all those destabilizes things is people, they become more, less secure. So they become more ethnically, like I'm only going to survive with this group of people. So then the ethnic, it, same thing happened in Yugoslavia. Like when they had their Civil War, it, was a, it wasn't that long ago. But it was supposed to be like a polyglot, diverse uh, country, and then it fell apart, and all everybody started fighting each other. So the Serbs started fighting the Albanians, who started fighting the Muslims, who started fighting the Croats, and they all fought, and there was really horrible stuff. So I think that would be what would happen in the States. It's like, we can't get along, which is like Yugoslavia, like, we can't get along, you know, get out. So I think it would be a real disaster. I mean, I, I think it would, and it would it would make the American Civil War look like a joke because I think that the the amount of people that 
would be teetering on the edge, even though they're teetering on the edge of survival right now. Like the average American can't afford a $500 bill, you know, but yeah, it would be, it'd be a disaster. I think that, I mean, it, I mean, they're, they're, they're ahead of that way. That's just the way it is that you just see that kind of the lead up to the American civil war. The same thing is happening in the U S people well, are being like, less intolerant, less tolerant. There's fighting, there's lawfare. There's all kinds of really crazy stuff going on. Well, like you said, we, we are, we are at war right now anyways. I mean, we are in a war. I would say it's, you know, like, you know, fifth dimensional or whatever you call it, um, fifth generational warfare. And, and it's sort of at a higher level, like it's world, it's worldwide, I would say. But um, it's interesting how how things have changed. They seem to we seem to be sort of coalescing into our sides after the COVID thing, and even Ukraine and even all that bullshit. The woke sort of sided with all the the tyranny. It, it seems like it was coalescing until this Israel thing, and now that's split it down a different way completely. And I'm, I feel like they're pushing for World War Three, but I don't think they expected so much pushback against Israel. Like I, I think they thought they were protected through this anti-Semitism bullshit. And then do you think that, do you, do you see what I mean about that? Yeah, I think so. I think they probably didn't expect people to start calling them genocidal maniacs, but they seem to be, I mean, the tit for tat is like, okay, a hundred people died. Now you're up at 20,000. At least, you know, you can't really trust the stats, but um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look great. Doesn't Israel or I, I just don't think they would have expected like all these, you know, protests, so many people to just go inside with, with Palestine. I mean, they, I think they tried hard to make it look very terroristic and, and then everybody's just like free Palestine. I mean, it just seemed to be, yeah. Well, who's how, who has the power dynamic? I mean, the power dynamic, it's not with the Palestinians, obviously the Israelis have all the weapons, have all the connections in the U S I mean, essentially you can't really be a successful politician in the United States without being pro Israel. So that's the way they've set it up. Like that's the way it is here. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. It's kind of like the uh, Master Blaster, like uh, operating the big oaf in Mad Max. It's probably closer to Mad Max than we think, but like they pull the strings here. If you don't sign, like they'll make people sign certain documents. You've got to support Israel. So they have the U.S. pretty much locked up, I think. And I think the Epstein stuff, too. Like there's a real underground. Like I can tell you stories. Some of the politicians here who were blackmailed by them. Uh, were involved in the Palestinian negotiations. So Mitchell, if you remember Senator Mitchell, he's up by you guys. He's, I think he was from Vermont or something like that. But he was, you can go look this up on Wikipedia. It's really something else because the girl who sued a lot of those people, her name was Virginia Jufre, right? So yep. she fled, she survived, she got to Australia as underground wisely. And um, she says she was rented out to, there's pictures of her with Prince Andrew, right? the king's brother and Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, there's also, she was said she was sent out to this guy, George Mitchell, who was a former Senator and Richardson, who was, uh, I think the head of, uh, he was the governor of New Mexico. Well, those guys were involved in all kinds of politics. So Mitchell later, after he's been blackmailed with this young 15 year old girl, he's negotiating. You can go look, go to uh, Wikipedia right now. He's sitting down and negotiating the Palestinian agreement with Hillary Clinton, Netanyahu, and Abbas. It's off the charts. So the average person who didn't know the underground stuff of that would be like, oh, Mitchell's doing a good job. While they're like, we've got this guy. We own him. 
is so the time. The, so the timing correlates there with oh, with their 100%. political 100%. action. 100%. With their political so action. All of the stuff from Jufre is about twenty years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. About, yeah. It was preceding yeah. Epstein's first conviction in 2007. Right? So what do you think about this list that's been leaked for the 170? Is that a legit it'll be list? Interesting. I, I don't think it's out yet, but it'll be interesting. Well, I've seen, I've seen a list going around. I mean, people have sent the list around. It looks pretty... It looks like it would be the list. You know, I wouldn't question too many of the names on there. I mean, about 30 or 40% of the list is well-known sort of names that you would that you would think. I haven't seen it yet. So I've been busy over Christmas, but may I'd like to see what's passed around. Yeah, yeah. I just it was it from Judge Presco? Was it from her specifically? No, I don't I don't think so. I think it was leaked uh or it was oh, sent okay. from someone else. So it could be like a fake list or maybe there was even a it could even be just like a re rejigging of the flight logs or something. Or, you know. Hey, that black book mm-hmm. that was released, that's that's super interesting. And everybody's in there. The Trump family had all kinds of contacts through the whole family, you know. So he had it's a, it's an incredible document. It's an incredible historical document. Darren, you saw the list, right? Darren coming out of uh, somebody sent it in our chats there a little while, a few days ago. You didn't see it there. I missed it. Uh, sorry missed about that. What, what were you saying there, William? Well, I, was just, I, mean, I think we kind of got off track, but I mean, I think it's the Israel thing, World War Three. But we're not going to. The U.S. is compromised, and the politicians are compromised. A lot of them are in positions of power because they are compromised. I mean, the Biden family is just blackmail city. I don't know if you can blackmail them anymore because everything's out that, of public. Well, kind of wanted to ask you about that as far as blackmailing goes. Like, does it even work nowadays? I mean, especially with how how the sexual stuff is going on. I mean, they're they're having sex in the the Senate room or whatever, or the where right. that is. I mean, that they people they don't give a shit about people's sexual orientations anymore. I mean, so how is how is how is uh, blackmailing somebody with a 15-year-old girl even do anything anymore? I mean, do these guys really care if that comes out? I think that's the last taboo is pedophilia. So I think the gay stuff used to used to ruin people's lives if you heard they were gay now, just like you said. It's just nothing. So I think the only thing you can blackmail them on is money and underage sex, which is what the Epstein operation was, right? Underage girls or young girls, to to our knowledge. I mean, there's unverified stories of even younger kids being trafficked to the island from South America, right? From very poor countries, uh, Venezuela, and they are never seen again. So it gets very dark. It gets super dark. I don't know if you know this, but and I read Virginia Giuffre's biography. It's in the documents in the uh, uh, Maxwell doc, Elaine Maxwell documents. And she said that Epstein and Maxwell took her aside and said, "We want you to have a baby. We will provide you with you know whatever. And once you're the baby's born, we'll give you money. We, we're going to take the baby, no questions asked. Like what the hell is that for? Like I mean, that gets super dark." And that's that's what she said. I, I find her to be very credible. And a lot of those people that she ended up suing with really the best, some of the best attorneys out there, great law firms and stuff like that, they've all res- resulted in settlements. Andrew, um, Maxwell went to jail from the, the defamation lawsuit that she had. Jufre is tough as nails, man. And then the settlement with Dershowitz, right? So Dershowitz got settled very recently. It wasn't... Sa- so there's a very clever way that you can end lawsuits that aren't adjudicated or negotiated with the judge as arbiter. So, like, let's say you sue me, and it's for a million bucks. 
and we go through the process of discovery and everything, which was happening in Dershowitz. You can go look at the record. It's very detailed, two years of fighting and in-court battles. And then you go, you know, William, I agree. I, I, I want to settle this out of court. And let's just agree to, to dismiss the case and I'll pay you money or whatever. Like, or if I, the other way around, if I have the yeah, or yeah. And so then there's really no record of it, right? Because it's done privately. And that's what they did with Dershowitz, Jufre. And there right. was, I think, a, a, you know, a NDA of some sort. So she said, yeah, we agreed to that. So Dershowitz kind of saved his <coughs> behind. And I think that, in my opinion, he was guilty as all hell. And probably the brains, in my opinion, one of the smart guys behind Epstein who really wasn't, uh, his, his intellectual and academic pedigree, he didn't really have it. His parent, his dad was like a gardener. So he didn't come from that kind of like uh -huh. somebody like Maxwell, whose yeah. dad was a big time operative and uh, networked himself and had money and stuff like that. So Elaine Maxwell, Maxwell was very polished, yeah, yeah. international in her sense. Did that ties into this whole World War Three situation, which is under the table here in the United States? I mean, it's the right move, right? Like if you have a country, you want the biggest country in the world with the most power and the most weaponry on your side, right? So it doesn't make, it's like silly to think that those things don't happen, blackmail and trying to get people into your thumb. And, I mean, I've done like a, a moderately successful podcast and people try to get me under their thumb. Like, where are you? Stuff that happens unbelievable. Like, uh, yeah, so. Did, did Dufresne have the kid in the end? Or? No, no. She, but, she, she escaped, so she went she told Epstein and Maxwell, I think she wanted to go to Thailand and study be to be a masseuse. And so they let her go, and that was her escape. She met her future husband, Jufre. I think her maiden name is Roberts. So she met this guy, Jufre, and then he was from Australia. So that was her out. And then wow. I think she's a mom. I think she's got kids. And what do you think that they would have done with this kid, or what do you think it would for? Like, would that just be for another sort Some of things you know, that are unspeakable? Yeah, I think slave, another girl. slave again, or something, or some way to to bring up a, a a kid out of the system in a way, or something to do whatever. Who knows, right? Yeah, I think that there that was very dark. I think there was dark stuff. I think there's dark stuff underneath there that a lot of people may not see that aren't from that area. But like, if you even tie back in, it's called Pizzagate. It really. It was really this guy, Alephantis, and his uh, Instagram accounts. But they had all kinds of weird secret oh, yeah. language, like, oh, Haitian sauce and all this stuff. So I think that there is, in the kind of predator class, over, over class, they have this idea of other people as just like slaves of all different sites and trafficking. And I think it's really, people would be shocked at how common it is, is really what yeah. it was in it. And um, Hunter Biden has been, I mean, the allegations are, that some of the prostitutes he's been using or has used, which he, I think the most recent number was a million dollars that he spent on prostitutes. Some of those have been trafficked from Eastern Europe, is my understanding. Yeah, yeah. I'm so it's a much different world, maybe, than the guys who have to work nine-to-five jobs or something like that. But yeah, exactly. There was an Etsy uh, blow-up these days, just recently. Did you hear about that, either of you? Uh, about Etsy, Etsy blow-up? Yeah. The, like, there was, uh, remember, remember the... Remember the uh, the Wayfair one with the cabinets oh. and to the kids? Well, this is kind of similar. It's like pictures of uh, pizza, pictures of kids with pizza for $3,000 and $4,000. And now they've been taken down off the website. And Etsy says they took them down because they were too expensive or something. But there was no real 
there's no real reason other than that, but there's a whole bunch of people that were like, they, they said they weren't even sell, they weren't sold or something, but some people witnessed a bunch of them being in the, in the, in the carts. Like he would tell you on Etsy, like how many people have purchased this item or how many people have it in their shopping cart. And there'd be these pictures. They were called pictures of pizza and cheese pizza even was in there. So very, very similar stuff. That's just weird again, that that's like, they've migrated to like Etsy to try and, um, you know, deal in their CP stuff um, on some kind of mainstream website. It's very strange. I had a guy on my show who said that, according to his stats, the sex trafficking trade is bigger than the drug trade. So and I think he's right. I think it, there's a subtext of it everywhere, Backpage, all these other places. I think that it's much more, maybe more common than some people who aren't in that underground know you know so i think that especially with the open borders and everything like that oh like yeah it's crazy yeah in the states we're just like our we've become unmoored from the rule of law and it's uh it's a, it's it doesn't end well it never ends well for societies like that so yeah exactly but yeah so, i want to circle back around just before uh before we go too far to uh to the Eccles thing so because people might not be aware like that they, they, he was in contact with depp and uh somebody else right that sort of helped him through that too yeah peter jackson of the hobbit and right. lord of the rings fame were two of his more more wealthy detractors right those guys are worth like hundreds of millions and so, so some of them outright financed his legal fees at a certain point sometime sometime this year you know that's when it really happened but uh the those are you know there was like this public it, it, it all started right there was the court case the murders happened may 5th 1993 court case happens in 94 it's bifurcated jesse miss kelly is taken out there's two separate trials both miss kelly independently is found guilty then eccles and, and baldwin are found guilty 94 they get life in prison eccles gets the death penalty then hbo gets involved and puts out the paradise loss in 1996 right and then they had the trilogy, the Paradise Lost trilogy. And it was from those, the second and third, that people kind of got this idea that, hey, you know, this guy is not as, you know, this guy might be innocent. And they were blaming the stepfathers, and they blamed the two stepfathers over time. So that's kind of where this kind of groundswell went on. You know, it was like, oh, this guy might be innocent. It was kind of like the first instance of innocence fraud, which I've done a lot of shows on. But, uh, that's really where, and so then all of these celebrities kind of bolstered and backed the public narrative of innocence and that they were convicted of a crime they didn't commit, right? Not the courts didn't say that. And so yeah. that's really where all these Hollywood elites, the celebrities of all those different, Dixie Chicks, Depp, um, Peter Jackson, oh gosh, the guy from, Eddie Vedder from Parade right. Um, Harley Rollins, uh, Margaret Cho. Also, all these people are supporting him and seeing him in jail, and he's professing his innocence the whole time. And so that's really what snowballed it. And it created this kind of thing where they raised like 10 to $20 million is what they were thinking. And that's what paid for a lot of different stuff. And that was kind of the public pressure. And I think that the Arkansas wasn't, just like I told you earlier, there was changes within the Arkansas yeah, legal yeah. community. And I think that's what led. The, guy, the guys in and they're like, maybe. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go to court again. I yeah, maybe to... that's what some of the money was used for, you know, to make those changes. You know? but I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, but it's not outside the I mean, yeah. Look at what's happened now. Like, if you look at the Soros prosecutors, yeah. 
they basically changed all these, like, they're not, I wouldn't call them liberal, they're anti-civilization <laughs> prosecutors who are destroying these uh, urban areas. So maybe something like that happened yeah, that's, yeah, in that's Arkansas. I, I don't have proof of that. That's pure speculation. What got you interested in that case? It was it was it during your sort of the beginning of your occult, uh, yeah, occult yeah. sort of investigations yeah. and journey. Yeah, because I went. I was like an independent nine eleven researcher. I noticed all the numerology through nine eleven, and I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand the importance of the number eleven. But then that kind of led me to kind of Alistair Crowley and his ideas, and then that's why I wrote my first book, Prophet of Evil, about Aleister Crowley. And then I was kind of like researching, I was working on a book called Children of the Beast, which I published in 2014. And that during that time, I came across the West Memphis Tree. I had seen, um, I had seen Paradise Lost in 96, and I didn't think about it. And I, I heard they got out of jail. I just thought, okay, technicality. I'm not interested in this case at all until I realized that Crowley was involved in the actual court case back in 1994. So I was like, well, I didn't know Crowley was involved in this. And then I started reading. And at that time, I was kind of like, oh, these guys are innocent. They've been railroaded. Arkansas is corrupt. And I was like, hey, hold on. This is, there's a lot more to this story than what you're saying. And so that led to my second book, Abomination. And yeah, that was, that was like poking the, <laughs> the proverbial... In a hornet's nest, they were pissed. They were pissed off. I actually, was featured. How did he on- know all those motherfuckers? Like, how do you just get Peter Jackson and Johnny? You know, were they buddies? Was he in showbiz? Is I think they're of- fellow travelers. That's what I. My opinion is that they're into what Eccles is into. In my opinion. But I was featured on the. Uh, once that book came out, I was featured on the Arkansas Supreme Court website. So they were putting that book up. It was pretty cool because I was next to. Uh, Oh, uh, what's that other writer? What's the famous writer? This other famous legal writer. So my book was up next to his. I can't remember his name though. Hmm. But I mean, just a little old self-published guy. So, and just to get, I, just, that's just, my just get, yeah, yeah. And but it to, is a it's a mystery wrapped in an enigma inside of a riddle. Like that whole case is very strange. It's well, no, tell- there's nothing like it that's ever happened in the United States. When you have this weird confluence of a long saga. Hollywood distorting the record, making money off it, celebrities and occultism. It's and crazy. magic. I mean, the, I mean, he wrote some great books on magic. Really, I mean, if if you know, I mean, if you're into very, that. Very, if you're into it, that's what I mean. But very knowledgeable and very, uh, you know, he's not dumb. He is definitely not a dumb person. Like he came from very disadvantaged background. But I don't think I think Eccles is an intelligent person. So how was Crowley? How was how did you find Crowley in that case? Well, they mentioned it. It was actually on uh, the what. What really caught my eye was the in in the the first documentary, which I didn't key into. But there's a video on YouTube of I think Price was the prosecutor asking him about. Do you know a guy by the name of Alistair Crowley? Like literally asked him because what happened is after Eccles got Eccles got arrested, he was writing in a kind of a magical script, like English and then some other language. Alistair Crowley, Damien Eccles, James uh, Baldwin, what's the Baldwin's right name? can't remember his first name. But he was writing that, and that was in the court trial. So they were asking about his knowledge of Alistair Crowley. He's like, oh, I don't know who that is. He thought he was a god. But it turns out that he knows a lot of Alistair Crowley, and, has, and his social media reflects that. He, like, he knows a lot of that knowledge. He yeah. actually, one of the things that I learned when researching this is that he was in jail a member of the OTO. And so you can actually see them writing about him 
in OTO literature out of Arkansas. And he has his own, that o, or OTO, which I study under Crowley, right? That OTO chapter has what's called the Damien Eccles Library because he donated all these books to them. Well, that's so, how, that's how they got connected to the celebrities. And I mean, if he's part of the OTO, then they they're probably part of that too, or at least the gold doing the Golden Dawn stuff. I mean, right? Yeah, I think so. Not, I think that the, they're like I said, fellow travelers, and he, you know, he he was asked in court. And I don't even know if this is in the documentaries, but they're like, "What do you know about the occult?" He's like, "I know everything about the occult." So he knew that at eighteen <laughs> years old. So he was kind of bragging back then that he knew everything. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, there's it a lot sense. more to that case and the real stuff that was investigated than what's in those three HBO doc. Well, I would call them almost like Spinal Tap, they're that much of a joke, it's like they're mockumentaries, they really don't do service to the case and the people who were affected by it. It's totally, yeah, yeah, they were paying those guys actors, they were giving them money. Hey, I'll give you 500 bucks if you come out and blow up some uh, watermelons with your gun, you know. Like, come on, that's not objective. That's not factual. So they were just trying to make a good movie. They actually kind of maligned Midwesterners or all kinds of shots of like the Southern Stars and Bars, whatever, the uh, that flag and all that thing. So I think that that was really kind of, it was like a political agenda. So they were trying to make the flyover people look like rubes. Yeah. Make the flyover, right? Yeah. So it's like that urban rural kind of contempt. That's mutual probably, but. I kind of wanted to go into your like into your your his, your 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 sort of history your journey through like starting to research the occult and sort of how how like maybe you've changed your mind about it through then or how if it's uh if it's sort of shifted any perspectives or how you know deep deep um you realize that it's gone anything like that during your like cuz it's been what 20 25 years maybe yeah, it's, been well, kind of- it's been 20 years I would say that I didn't know how pervasive it was and Lifetime, I think it's, it was underneath the surface. It wasn't mentioned. You can see hints of it and things like that. But I think it really has influenced the culture and politics. I think there's a lot of occultists in politics that I didn't know about. And, of course, 9-11 was a huge kind of esoteric element to it. So I think that my learning of it was the Children of the Beast is like an example. How many of these occultists have influenced 60s culture or 70s culture, music, uh, David Bowie? I mean, the list goes on. Jimmy Page. Ozzy Osbourne, they're all occultists of, or esotericists of one way or another. And those are people that I grew up on and didn't understand a lot of those Crowley connections or OTO connections. So I think I've just kind of matured in my understanding of how many of these guys are out there. And usually their their effect isn't like positive. It's malign or deceptive. I mean, I'm, I come, I look at everything from a Christian perspective. I'm totally like Jesus is the Messiah, like Jesus is Christ, right? So Jesus is a representation of God, the Godhead in the flesh. So for me, like looking at all of the, you know, occultism is kind of like maybe the stuff that he battled against at that time, or the ancient Israelites, idolaters and Molech worshipers and Yannis and Jambres and um, the the servants of Pharaoh and those kind of contests. So I, I think that like these days, you're definitely living in biblical times. Something similar like that's definitely happening because these people are flat out sorcerers. No, oh, it's overt. What's that? It's overt right now. Yeah, yeah, no. It wasn't fashionable to talk about it, but now, like, how can you not see it? It's in everything. They're signaling things. They're doing predictive programming in like, uh, you know, Olympics openings and all kinds of things. So, 
it's everywhere. And you don't know the secret connections between some of these guys, but uh, they're there. And I would say that's would be if like to answer your question, that's kind of what I learned because I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't have that kind of like, you know, the jerk, you know, S and Shinola talk like this is a, I didn't have that growing up. So I didn't know like some of the occult stuff. So for me, it was definitely a journey. And that's why those books are like that. Like there's a lot of really heavy duty stuff going on out there that, uh, and a lot of those, it wasn't fashionable for the reporters to go into it. So there may be like occultism involved in the Manson thing, but they, they wouldn't report on that because for one reason or another, they just wouldn't bring it up. So, well, it's also, we're also living in a paradigm where people just looked at it really lightly too. They didn't even yeah. believe that it's a real thing. I mean, yeah. you just think it's just people playing around. I think that's what my study of Crowley was because he really dedicated his life to all that. He wrote tons of books, 40, 50 books, Magic and Theory and Practice. At the end of his life, he wrote Magic Without Tears. Like he was just, that was it. He was an anti Christian and he thought that that was kind of his way of uh, defining himself in the world. So um, there's people like that out there, you know, that they're not, they're Luciferians. Like they literally have a, like if I, I tell people like, like that was a vague word, but there are literally people who are Luciferians out there. That's the way they look. They see God as the demiurge, and that Lucifer is really the light bringer. Yeah. You can see all that stuff all over the place. And one of the interesting things about my show that I learned—it's a learning process—is how much these Luciferians are like. The Nazism was like the and Hitler were the worst thing to happen in the 20th century, and the Nazi doctrines are an overlap of Alice Bailey's. Uh, externalization of the hierarchy. It's the same thing. It's all there. The blueprint of the Nazis is written in this Luciferian who like ran the Lucis Trust. So Nazism is Luciferianism. There's no question about it. Darren, do you have any, any comments or questions? I wouldn't mind uh, an expansion on the occult stuff around 9-11. Right, so 9-11, right? So that's uh, September 11th, 2001, right? Right at the beginning of the millennium. Like that date is something else. A lot of those guys, like the occultists, they try to like increase the magical energy by getting all of the elements of whatever they're doing all stacked up. Time, date, moon, phase, um, you know, who's involved, all the rituals. That's supposed to make it more efficacious, right? So if you're doing 9-11 on 2001, that's probably what happened. And that, that, those building, the whole construction of the building is suspicious. The dates, the timing of George Bush uh, Sr.'s September 11th, 1990 New World Order speech is 11 years and to the date. It's right on the top. So looking at 9-11 outside of that is a mistake. Like you have to listen to that speech and see their intent. And you see that kind of elite intent. You say it was 11 years? Yeah, to the day. Oh, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. It's hard to comprehend. What that would mean is like it's foreshadowing the event by 11 years. Like we're going to yeah. do something yeah. 11 years from now because that's going to be a power day. It's going to be the new millennium, and we're going to change the world. And I think that's what happened. And that's what those towers kind of represented was a movement from kind of an old age to a new age. It was actually like a magical coming together. Like you have the two opposites, and then they, they go down. And then this new one that comes together is brought up in the same thing. But those, I mean. Like an initiation, like the Like, the like an initiation or mm-hmm. like passing through a portal. Like there's all kinds of portals and stuff and uh, masonry and things like that. But those those were like a huge 11 in the skyline, right? They were 110 stories. 
I mean, they had the tridents on there. They had the uh, was it spherical caryatid was in there, which shows up in Fight Club in 1999. Of all strange places, like there's all kinds of foreshadowing of the event 9/11. But the occultism is a, <coughs> clearly the numbers, the numerology of the planes. The first plane to hit is an 11, right? And you can read it in my book, Prophet of Evil, the meaning of the numbers. 11 is suffused throughout our entire culture. A lot of people don't know it. Maybe the occultists key into it right away, but they don't tell you because it's occulted knowledge. But Harry Potter's an 11, right? His wand is an 11. Tyler Durden's a 5 and a 6. Harry Potter's a 5 and a 6, right? So that because that's the symbols of the pentagram and the hexagram. And the whole thing about the magical thing is you know, you're supposed to bring these things together. It's like antithesis, thesis, antithesis has a synthesis, right? That's actually a magical axiom. It's not, they use it in philosophy. I think Hegel used it, but it actually comes from magical concepts. So that's kind of like the 11s are all over. And Crowley's number, the reason it ties back to Crowley's, I talked about 11, flight 11, 175, 93 is really Crowley's number. And there was flight 93 that went, supposedly went down in Shanksville. But the reason 93 ties to Crowley and is really his, one of his prime numbers is that his two kind of main themes, well, his religion was called Thelema, which is a Greek word, which in um, Gematria, which is a subset of the Kabbalah that adds up to 93, and then also Agape add up to 93. So he would shorthand kind of his dictums, uh, love under law, love under will. He would shorthand those as 93, 93, 93. And you'll see that in writing of like Jimmy Page or something like that. Like the real known heavy duty occultist will use this 93 often. So it shows itself up in a signature of the 9 11, September 11th event. And then uh, 77 is like the number, 77 numbers of Satan. It's all in my book. And also, kind of, it's representative of Lieber Oz, which is Crowley's book, like the rights of man. So, you know, basically there's no God but man. And anybody, thou wilt, thou wilt eleven in that too, right? Yeah, do what thou wilt should be the whole laws eleven words. It's all, it's all designed by him to have a numerical basis, right? So it increases kind of like the correspondences in his thinking. So, uh, but yeah, he goes. He got the eleven, like the primacy of eleven, through old magical writings, and K is the number, the eleventh letter of the English alphabet. So that's why magic is spelled with K sometimes. Um, but it goes back to the golden dawn and the sky and the golden dawn. He wrote a book called numbers and their meaning. And 11 was like a number of like infamy, things like that. So, and that's also included in his book of the law, this book that he supposedly received in 1904 in Egypt. So it's just, once you read, like the way that I set my book up is you can see his ideas and his history and all the 11s and then just watch the number the 9-11 event, you just see all the, the magical numerology suffused through both of them. What was the flight in the middle there? 173? What is yeah, that? Yeah, so 175. There's so 11 and then 175. If you look at Crowley's Libra 175, it's worshiping oh, okay. a god. Yeah, it's worshiping, adoring a god of your choice. It's kind oh, of a okay. ritual that he had. Right. So I think that that's why it was done. And I think that those numbers were all planned out. And... Uh, I think that the whole event was planned out over a period of time. And one of the kind of strange things about the U.S. system is maybe the president's change, but continuity of the agenda is there. And I think that to the, to the kind of uh, profane, if you want to use a Masonic term, 
they may think that these guys are different, but they're all connected to Bush, Bush Senior, like uh, Clinton's whole career and his son and everything like that. I think Bush Senior is one of the upper 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 dudes in there. Well, I mean, that's interesting you say that because that's really the end of my book. Um, you know, I think that that's that's really about Bush. A lot of it kind of leads up to Bush in '77 and him his his involvement and his he's really kind of like the Magus, like a like a Crowley level Magus, in my opinion. Wow, the skull and bones too, wasn't he? Or? Yeah, and son, and dad's dad, Prescott. So it's three generations of occultism and uh, initiation in the tomb, right? So those are those are elite occultists. Those are guys who have some of the best access to the best knowledge at Yale. You know, they if they studied, you know, they have access to some of the best scholars. So these are not uh, chumps and flunkies, or you know, I think George Bush is almost like uh, Junior is almost like a princeling. In a lot of ways, because of his access to capital and his dad's connections, and like like that. a what? Sorry, like a what? A prince? A princeling? Yeah, like a prince. Princeling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a prince, it's, it's like that. Yeah, he's probably smarter than he looks too. I mean, I think he he's play, he plays dumb a little bit. I think oh, uh, Biden yeah. Biden plays dumb. He thinks I, I think he's act his well whoever's whoever's in in place of the real Biden is is playing dumb to make people think that it's all just uh, you know um, sort of happening. Maybe not not intentionally. The the implosion of the country is happening, you know, unintentionally in a way. Um, I think that every goofy, ridiculous thing that George Bush Jr. did during his presidency was carefully staged. Right. So all the times you see him scratching his head and looking dumb and that weird Texas draw is fake. His Texas draw is fake. Draw is fake. Um, the whole shrubbery stuff. Guy's brilliant. He's, he has a total care, a perfect persona, and all pulling on the doors and goofing around, like he's having fun, talking about pooty poot on a so-called hidden mic. No, they're not leaving anything to chance, man. And you can see that on nine eleven when he's at that school, he's got those kids bowing down to him. Uh, it's part of like the ritual element. Okay, everybody, bow down and get your book. Repeat after me: plane, hit, tower. Explosion! Like he's just sitting there, calm as that up. was super creepy, right? I yeah. mean, so that is a real thing, right? That's not just like a weird video going around the internet. Like that was happening then. It was definitely happening. Kite, kite, plane, tower. Yeah, that was so creepy. And he just and the, the guy comes over to tell him, and he doesn't, you know, like fucking exit. Doesn't even budge. No panic. No. I mean, well, body language is very is a language in itself. Why yeah. isn't he shocked? Like why? Why didn't he go? Whoa! What? You know, he just sat yeah. there. Okay, I mean, yeah. they're, they're telling you, they're telling you what they're doing. Yeah, by, it's, by it's, making those actions. Yeah, it's hard for me to 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 even um, comprehend that humans can be behind some of this crazy numerology and the synchronicities and the and the uh, when it comes to dates and times. And you hear this stuff. Like Darren mentioned, one uh, I think it was the COVID job. The uh, it was between the two eclipses. Darren, what, what was it again? Where, was it the first, the inaugural job? 1,211 days from the from the Great American Eclipse to the COVID jab, to and the, another 1,211 days to the next eclipse. Like It's just it's like the, the planning to do. And, to, and they draw like a giant X in the country, too. It's crazy. And what? 
They draw a giant X on the country. I wonder what's at the middle of that motherfucker. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like as close to the middle as you can get. Yeah. But these guys are in a battle for, for global control. It's not like they're not, they're playing a huge grand chessboard game in a very sophisticated manner. I mean, their attack right at uh, Iraq is really the center of kind of like the navel of the earth. So to have power there, you can express it everywhere else, all over the oil. They're associated, oh, friends with like a lot of Saudi Arabian uh, big leagues. And so they're there. And that's actually kind of a personal battle between the Bush family and Saddam. Because when Bush was coming up, the CIA installed him, right? Installed Saddam. So yeah. he kind of turned his back on them and uh, didn't, pro- I guess, I probably didn't uh, bow down enough. If you remember back when they started the Iraq War, they were focused on the kids. It was Saddam Hussein and Uday and Qusay. Remember, yeah. you want, they wanted them right away. Yeah, and they didn't get them, but they ended up getting all three. And so that line is gone. Like it was some kind of cataclysmic, like science fiction thing behind the surface of what really happened. Right, and then there's all the the stories about the the. Uh the artifacts and the ancient, you know, the museums and sort of them looting all the, the precious sort of ancient stuff, which kind of creeps you out as well, thinking that they're oh, in there for something yeah, else. It's... So does that mean it's still like a weird feudal system in the background? That's a good question. It's a really good question. I think it ties into Crowley's outlook. Like people who aren't from the elite backgrounds who may not grow up to, in privilege may not understand how these wealthy people think people like Kerry or Gore or the Bushes, but, or Crowley, uh, because Crowley believed that the feudal system was the ideal system. You can read that in Prophet of Evil. Like, you can see what he's thinking. I'm not 100% sure I disagree with him. Well, why do you think feudalism is optimal? Well, because, well, personally, I think that our, but democracy might be all right. I think, you know, on maybe, it's kind of like communism. It's good on a smaller level. But maybe if you had a real democracy, I don't know what that looks like because I don't think a real count the votes democracy would be great for, say, the USA. That wouldn't be great. But at the same time, if I was the dude running the plays and it was like, man, every time these plebs get riled up, they come and storm the castle and fuck us up. You know, we got to find a way to stop it. I think you encapsulated it. We have votes. We'll pretend we have votes. and. We'll pretend we'll put these puppets in charge of the votes, and then instead of the plebs getting riled up and coming and fucking storming the castle, they're gonna fucking storm their neighbor's house and be it's it, you know it's not the king's fault, it's Tony's fucking fault that your life sucks. Divide and conquer, yeah, I've been doing that. But, but I don't think but, that, you know, one of the that feudal system gave you a clear enemy. It, it seemed like there'd be less to fight with your neighbor about when it's just yeah, the, it's the king's fault. Your life fucking sucks. It's the king's fault that's taxed. The water's the king's fault. The abortion shit, all that stuff, all that—that's all the king, man. I don't know what to tell you. I didn't, you know. Instead, and so you just don't even know where someone's politics lie on those sort of things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't know that sort of thing, but I'm not, and I'm not saying that I agree that feudalism is the best system. I'm just saying. You know, this thing that we call democracy, the mob rule doesn't seem to be great because the mob's a bunch of fucking idiots. So I could, I was all, you know, great. Democracy's great until the mob's like, hey, man, if you don't get your shots, you can't come to the restaurant anymore. And the mob was like, cool, man. Let's, yeah, yeah. You know, so the, the mob becomes 
dangerous in its own right under democracy. It's mobocracy, right? It's not <laughs> democracy. It's mobocracy. I think that the founders of the U.S. and the ancient Greeks were very suspicious about true democracy. They did not trust the people. They thought they were the mob too. And they understood that a lot of those people were making decisions without the best access to information. It may not be the smartest. So they, you know, there was always a representative, and that's why they keep misstating in the U.S. that it's a democracy. It's really not a democracy. It's a representative republic. republic. Yeah, republic. It used to be. I don't know what it is now with all the kind of fake ballots and stuff, but. Um, that it also kind of when it's not done fairly and justly, it just besmirches the concept of a republic. But if you want to see how bad a feudal state is or a hereditary monarchy, you can go, you don't have to go very far back in history. You can look at the Russian Romanovs, <coughs> Nicholas II or Nicholas the Last, or King Charles III. Like that guy is a hereditary monarch right in front of your face. So if you want a feudalism like what they have, go see what it's like to live in Canada. Oh, that's right. You guys are from Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot. William, this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners find your stuff? Do you have a website? Do you have social media? Any of that stuff where they can track it down? My podcast is William Ramsey Investigates. I'm at 1,100 episodes right now on a wide variety of subjects, a lot of research. But uh, that is in the top 0.5% of podcasts in the world, top 15,000 podcasts. And then all my books can be found on Amazon, or you can find them at my website, William Ramsey Investigates, if you want signed copies. And then I have a Patreon, too, where you can watch five home-budgeted documentaries I made. So you can find that on Patreon, William Ramsey Investigates. Awesome, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to talk with you. Yeah, we'll have to do this again down the road. Come back anytime, and we can yeah. uh, we can love catch to. up. Love to. I'll shave next time. No, no, I'll, in the on the road all day. I actually drove all the way up. I'm in Northern California. But I drove up from Southern California this morning. But, I'm so, glad you made it. Uh, made thank it. you for fitting us in. And Northern California is better, so that's a good place yeah. to be. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> as long as you get like a few hours north of like San Francisco. No, that's the best. That's like the secret yeah. secret. Of California, the hidden secret is that it's so nice up there. Nobody ever goes up there. But past like Sonoma and stuff like that in Mendocino, it's like it's primeval beauty. It's amazing. It's really nice. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. I won't. Merry Christmas. Too. All right. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Thanks. Christmas. Take care. Nice meeting you. Thanks. Merry Christmas. And that was a chat. William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates. What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah, that was good. I think this is one to sign up for plus on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. We get in the second half. We get into the Russian Romanovs, our King Charles III, BLM and Floyd, the death cult, the trans agenda, the fake moon landing, modern slavery, the COVID death jab, psyops, pedo symbols, Kubrick, eyes wide shut, the early sci-fi writers and their possible connections to JPL and Hubbard, theosophy, and evil luciferians more crowley initiations and jesus and the gospels so lots there yeah it's always fun to chat with these guys that like you can swim all over the pool you know you yeah. can like with people that he did like investigate so he's like tried into all you know lots of times we have people on and they're, they're this or they're that and they might may or may not know a lot about you know other stuff other stuff we we delve into then you could have someone like like uh, William on, and you can just 
run the gamut. Yeah. Kind of like John Kerwin, you know, where you just, yeah. I mean, yeah. six bucks a month, guys. I mean, just this other half is worth six bucks. You go sign up, download this one, download all of them, and then cancel. You could have the whole back catalog for six bucks, all of it. And uh, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll stick around. You won't cancel. But, you know, we would even, wouldn't mind that, you know, over yeah. just nothing. Just sign up for a month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take yeah. what we can get. Grimerica, outlaw. Like, you know, not have to scramble for a fourth job right now, honestly. So, exactly. You'd be hooking soon. Yeah. Well, the UBI is coming, buddy. Just keep treading water. Just keep treading water till the UBI comes. Yeah. Yeah. Grimerica, outlaw.ca. Sign up today, guys. Six bucks a month. It really does help. We could use another 100 or 200 supporters to start the new year. Would make a huge difference around here. Um, as everything escalates, but we understand it's escalating for you too. You decide if you can afford it. And if you can, head over to grammaricoutlaw.ca today. Sign up. I mean, you could just do like six months worth. Done. Six months, 30 sucks bucks, and you're good. You're good to go. So think about it. Other than that, we love you guys. Happy New Year's. And we will see you next year.